0: Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Through the Ringer. Now that the college football season has ended, we have rebranded our Ringer University podcast feed to Through the Ringer. This is your go-to place for our weekly wrap-ups of Ringer podcasts titled This Week in Ringer Culture and This Week in Ringer Sports. It's also where you can hear some of our special projects, one-off stories, and new shows that we're working on behind the scenes. So if you want to hear some of our best culture and sports podcast moments and some of our special projects, subscribe to Through the Ringer on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Basketball is very good. The Raptors are the best team in the East. Phil Jackson actually saved the Knicks. Mark L. Foltz will be an all-star next year. Basketball is very good.
0: Hello. Welcome to the Ringer NBA show. This is Group Chat. My name is Chris Ryan. I am joined by Justin Verrier. Hello. And making, I think, his Group Chat debut. Yes. He seems excited about it. Kevin O'Connor. What's oh, up, bro, man? I watch you
2: guys every week. You I Kevin me you on. watches
0: every week, yeah. It's like ER. Uh, <laughs> what's up, Kevin? Welcome to Los Angeles. Welcome Thank to you. Group Chat. Uh, as always, this is our informal discussion of Los Angeles ringer office Denzians about the world of the NBA. And the thing is, is that today we could just do the same show we would have done yesterday and the same show we would have done on Tuesday, which <laughs> is that the Cavs are in turmoil, <laughs> that the Cavs are about to trade for George Hill, that the Cavs, that the Cavs, the Cavs. We're going to try and mix it up a little bit. The trade deadline is approaching. So we're going to discuss where some of these teams that are like on the brink of are we good or not, what the, what are they going to do? Are they are they the best version of themselves? So we're going to play a game called the best version of me a little later. We want to go through a little bit of quote-unquote news Um, obviously like the big thing is the All-Star game and the All-Star reserves draft that's happening today. By the time you hear this podcast, it will probably already either have occurred or have been leaked by Woj. I'm not sure which one happened. Or or, or Shams. Yeah, right. Um, I have to tell you that... after about 10 days of
1: thinking about this, I'm officially done thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. I love it. You do love it. I- I'm still into it, because I just want to see how the teams shake out. I think they're going to be nothing like we expected. The draft itself I'm
0: interested in, the actual guys getting upset about not being All-Stars, I'm like, I watch the NBA to escape from my life, not to <laughs> be reminded of like petty disagreements <laughs> and grievances. Yeah, well, at the same time,
1: that's pretty much all we're interested in with that's the NBA, true. too. That's true. That's true. No, today
0: we're only going to talk
1: about the Hawks set. And uh pinned down screens. <laughs> um What, a hedge. <laughs> what yeah. a hedge. What a hedge.
0: We gotta get through a couple of pieces of news though. Uh Boston last night beat the Clippers ending their their little mini swoon. Tumultuous. Yeah. Three game
2: losing. What's streak? the matter in Boston? With a team meeting too. Uh
0: yeah. Well that's what we want to talk about. They lost four in a row. They beat the Clippers 113-102, which is good because now they have to go play the Warriors. Um Al Horford out with the concussion,
2: his Third in two years. Not good. Not at all. Yeah. Especially Mm. with how long the first one kept them out.
0: Yeah. And uh, they had a a team meeting in between their two LA games. They lost the Lakers. They beat the Clippers. And this was what Kyrie said about team meetings. Team meetings, it happens all the time. You could call every time we meet a team meeting. meeting. Okay. Uh, (laughs) And throughout your professional career, there are going to be times when you're tested. And for us, it was things that we control and everyone being great at their role and us collectively coming together. Even better, as a group, that's Coach Taylor, Kyrie Irving. Um, seems like it worked. For some reason, this Boston team, is it reminds me a lot of San Antonio, where I'm like, there, there is no sense. I don't ever get a sense of turmoil because of the management structure that they have there. Yes, it's
1: very much bizarro Cleveland is yeah. what they've established, and especially with Kyrie going there. The, the metaphor kind of makes sense there. I, I do find Kyrie's quote to be very uh, agreeable, simply because <laughs> it does seem like we're at the point now where uh, media is looking for these type of things. Mm-hmm. Any sort of blip on the radar gets reported by a Woj or a Shams. Maybe that we're making too big of a deal out of it. Obviously, they didn't have Al Horford. And obviously, they kind of figure things out on the fly. I'm looking at them right now. It just seems like a few minor tweaks is really all they really need. Jason Tatum took as many shots as Kyrie. I think that's more interesting going forward than anything they had, maybe chemistry-wise. Kev, it's interesting to see Kyrie as the spokesman
0: this is sort of what he wanted, right? Like, it's interesting to see him be the guy who's like, I'm going to go to the media and I'm going to be the person who says nothing to see here, which is what you kind of want from your team
2: leader, right? For sure. And I think Kyrie said something a couple weeks back or maybe a month or so back where... He talked about setting the tone, right, like setting an example, and I, I, I took it personally, you know, as kind of like a, a thought, like, well, they're back in Cleveland, the leader there, yeah, yeah. doesn't set a tone defensively, you know, he's lackadaisical on that end, and whereas Kyrie had his best defensive season of his career, yeah, setting that tone, setting that positive tone for the team, and and I wonder if maybe that's something that he's tried to do this season, whereas in the past. He wasn't the guy who had to set that tone. He wasn't the guy who had to stand in front of the media and talk about team meetings and all the problems happening. So that seems like he's embracing it, and he's yeah, doing a good job with and it. These West Coast trips are always a challenge. Teams with, who
0: are relying on young players are going to get some inconsistent performances, and they don't have—I mean, we were screaming at each other about Al Horford's all-star credentials, or at least his all-star starter credentials earlier in the week, but he's probably their most important player. Sure. You know what I mean? They can get offense from a lot of different places. They can get offense from any given guy on a given night. He is the anchor of that entire team on both ends of the floor in a lot of ways.
1: We bring up the Bulls a lot, especially I do, just because it seems pretty similar. It's almost like a more modern version. They're definitely a little bit more dynamic, definitely younger than that Derrick Rose Bulls team. Yeah, yeah. But everything really starts with the defense. They're still number one on defense overall this season. Uh, and as long as Al Horford isn't concussed and his pecs are just sterling, like and yeah. his know. eyes okay. so. just sparkling, <laughs> <laughs> very nice eyes. Yeah, I think everything works well. I think, like I said before, it is interesting to see uh, some of the young guys how they're going to develop over this next end. Even though Gordon Hayward, I don't know if you guys saw taking some jump shots mm-hmm. from from Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's well, Gordon, Gordon
0: Hayward on one leg. Having not played a minute of meaningful basketball this year, looks Man. better than Markel Fultz right now. Um, yeah. Speaking of Markel Fultz. Who speaking of season, he always come back. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, ben Simmons. I have it written down here. Ben Simmons is God. Um, 19 points, 17 boards, 14 assists Ooh. last night against the Bulls. Uh, I like watching games when, uh, especially on, on a player's ascendance in their first few years of the season, where, you, where you, you catch them in a game and you're like, oh, you're the best guy on the floor. Best guy on the floor on both teams. That happened a lot with Giannis in his second season where you started watching him. You're like, oh, man, this guy's going to be really special. Ben, it's like, I can't believe he's not in his fifth year. The way he sees the game, the the lack of emotion, I think, and the sort of sometimes personality vacancy that happens with him is like a knock that maybe sometimes makes him not a lovable player. But I don't know if I've ever been more impressed with a rookie in recent years. You know, just watching him control a game like this.
2: His instincts are just elite already, right? And, I mean, there was a play at the end of last night's game. um, I think it was his last points that he scored where he grabbed an offensive rebound at the top of the key. And, like, as he's grabbing the offensive board, he's going into a spin move behind the back as it's happening because he's able to feel the defense and read the defense when everything's going crazy. I mean, his ability to read the floor and see the floor and pass open teammates is is really in the upper percentile of NBA players, and he's only 21 years old already.
1: Yeah, one of the things I think we were most struck by when he first started, when he started the season and he kind of took off, was that his shooting really didn't seem to be a problem, yeah. that he was able to use his body and be kind of more crafty, more physical uh, to overcome that. I think he hit a bit of a wall <laughs> Uh, later on in the season, it started to become an issue, but now it's
0: like, it was the most basketball he's ever played. Right. right?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is about the time when like a college season would end. Yeah. It seems like he's hitting another, getting a second wind or whatnot. I mean, one thing I had been thinking about, which I think is interesting is, do you think we would appreciate him more if he didn't make such an effort to label himself a point guard? Like, if he was more of LeBron and he he almost, like, messaged himself as a forward, sure. do you think that we would say, like, oh, my God?
0: Okay, so the flip side of that is would his shooting be even more egregious? Would this lack of shooting be even more egregious in this 2018 NBA? Can you be a three who can't even – doesn't even attempt
2: three-pointers? Honestly, I'm at the point when I hear the words point guard, power forward, I I just hear white noise. It just – it doesn't mean anything, you know, with today's positionalist game. I mean – with his shooting, I think it's a problem no matter what position you play, unless like you are specifically or, you know, a rebounding, defensive-oriented center. And even then, it could potentially be an issue depending on the team. Well, let me I, push, it is a problem. Let's
0: interrogate that a little bit. Who are we talking about? We have Ben playing on the Sixers. You've got Giannis on the Bucks, and you've got LeBron on the Cavs. Who are some other teams that are basically doing away with positions, letting someone unconventional run their
1: offense? To Can you think of any? Because I, I wonder what— to a certain extent, yeah, that's but Milos, point. I mean, I think they're at their best when Milos is kind of yeah. in there, kind of moving the ball. Um, it, it is a rarity still. I mean, there's
2: a lot of teams that, I mean, you could look at Boston as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Kyrie's the point guard, right? But at the same time, Al Horford brings the ball up a lot. They allow virtually anybody who gets the offensive board. The Warriors, Draymond Green. Right. You know, I mean, he's more the point guard than Stephen Curry, sure. right? Um, That's where, for me, it's like positions, I mean... I don't know if there's a better way to label players to put them like into categories, but the way it's done now, there are no positions. Well, I guess
0: the thing we're saying here is with LeBron, and LeBron couldn't really shoot when he first got into the league either. But I think what you're talking about is, are we, do we let the fact that he's like, aren't I great as a point guard? impact
1: the way we view uh, Ben. Right? right, right.
0: You know, rather than if he was a small forward who couldn't shoot but could pass his ass off, would it? Would he be evaluated differently?
1: Right, because I was just looking at his numbers the other day when we were going over All-Star stuff, and you look at his shooting percentage, he's, his his shot percentage and his profile almost looks like a center, because he shoots right. poorly from free throw, but he shoots above 50% from the floor. And I wonder if we viewed him through a different lens, if we'd almost appreciate it. If he was more... If there was no Joel Embiid and he played nominal five, would we say, oh my God, look at this center who's just able to create... Would he be more Jokic-esque?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a couple... That's a good point. I, I yeah. think that we were talking a little bit before the podcast about what's going to happen with him, assuming the Sixers make it into the playoffs. Do you think that this his? You know, he's shooting see uh, 50% effective field goal percenters, essentially, but he's only shooting 56% from the line. So, um, do we start seeing more hackaben do we start seeing guys sag even more off of pick and rolls with him what what is what I, is the I, late I, season ben simmons i think look for like? ben
2: simmons it's going to be a wake up call like oh yeah. dang i do have to add a jump shot otherwise in the games that actually matter You're going to be limited when it turns into a half-court game when you're not able to get those easy transition chances when defenses are really locked in and game planning for you and
0: Serge Ibaka are waiting for you in the lane for four games in a row or whatever. It's going to be a problem
2: for him in the playoffs. I think he's. I mean, he's an unbelievable player, but which speaks to how great he could potentially be if he does eventually become even just an average shooter. Like you said, LeBron was a below-average shooter early in his career. Giannis is a below-average shooter now. If he can even just get to that level. Think about what it does for his game, never mind if he becomes good. He just needs to be average, below average, and that opens things up
0: You've written about shooting mechanics before. Do you see any evidence that Ben Simmons could ever be a threat? He shoots with the wrong hands. Yes, that's right. That was the uh, the setup for the spike. Um, (laughs) A Ringer NBA podcast would not be complete without talking at least 20% of the time about the Cavs. And why not? I mean, they keep giving a storyline, so... We are waiting for this George Hills trade that could go through while we're recording or before this goes up. It was supposedly on the one-yard line. Um, Windhorse was on Zach Lowe yesterday and said a couple of things that didn't get foregrounded a lot, which was like, why hasn't it gone through yet? And they're doing their due diligence. And Hill has had a lot of chronic, some 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 injuries, like toe injury, I think. And, right. I think the last thing the Cavs need is another guy who immediately comes in and needs to be rehabbed. Yeah. Um, so we're waiting for that trade to happen. We also just got news that Ty Lue is going to drop Jay Crowder from the starting lineup and replace him with Tristan Thompson. So that that's going to happen, I guess, to give them some defensive fortitude in the first unit. I, I'm not really sure what uh, that, that answer is, which kind of also brings us to another piece of Cavs news, albeit pretty rumor mongering, is that Stephen A. Smith said that Dan Gilbert is looking to sell the Cavs. Sure. Not a good sign <laughs> if you're
1: LeBron James.
0: Um, Or is it? Yeah. Is is the pathway to LeBron buying the Cavs the way to keep LeBron in Cleveland?
1: I love this theory <laughs> yeah. because this is basically kind of the, the foundation of my LeBron to the Knicks kind of fever dream. Right. Is that sell at least a little part of it to LeBron's crew. And then from there, he can kind of uh, eventually go into yeah. his retirement
2: with a piece of the team. It, it reminds me of a story that last summer, for some reason, just flew way under the radar. Dan Patrick said that LeBron tried to get Dan Gilbert to switch ownerships with the Troy Pistons. Yeah. Like, that was a story nobody <laughs> really about talked about because it, right? it was during the finals that Dan Patrick said this on the air. And he cited firsthand, someone with firsthand knowledge of it. And if that's true... You know, if LeBron pushed for Dan Gilbert to sell, switch teams with the Pistons, maybe there's something to this. Yeah, Maybe Dan Gilbert is open to it or something like that. But uh, at the same time, if you're going to sell, like it has to be with LeBron and the team. I mean, otherwise, if he leaves, you're not going to get the same amount of money for the team. It's the ultimate chess move
0: in some (laughs) ways, because if Dan Gilbert has a Cleveland team and... By all accounts, like wasn't that Cleveland Casino right near the queue, yeah. and relies heavily on uh, high attendance at the mm-hmm. queue and yep. like people coming to see LeBron and all yep. that stuff. If LeBron leaves and the team creators, theoretically, that would also have a bad impact on some of his other assets as a as a businessman. If LeBron stays, everything's good. But what LeBron now has is the leverage to say, like, well, you have to sweeten the pot beyond just a contract because clearly I, this isn't going right in Cleveland, but I think that there is something to watch there about like, I do think LeBron is thinking about the third act of his career. I think LeBron is thinking about post-basketball now and being the owner of the Cavs would certainly be quite the last chapter for him and all the guys he grew up with in Akron and that crew of guys like rich and Maverick to
1: take over an NBA team in their home state would be an incredible story. Right, and that's why the Lakers are rumored, right? Because he has so many business interests in L.A. I do think it's interesting. I've been a little uh, critical of LeBron, of CEO LeBron, and kind of how that's affected maybe some of the moves the Cavs have made, some of the moves that he has made. Uh, I could see it from his side now, where Dan Gilbert, classic rich white male, is basically like, well, I'm going to get out of here before my asset takes.
0: Yes, exactly. And
1: maybe he even keeps the casino, and LeBron takes, let's say LeBron theoretically
2: takes over, he would make even more money. And and what you said about you know LeBron thinking about ownership. That is the plan. Yeah, like, that that is the plan. Like it's not just rumor that is the plan for LeBron. Like he wants to go into ownership. K- and, and, KD's and, over here and, like, yeah, I would yeah. like one too, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: in December, I thought LeBron was going to win the MVP, and I thought he was going to re-sign with Cleveland for another two-year deal. Um, it just looked like he was really engaged. It looked like he had had he had he looked highly motivated. The prospect of Isaiah coming back seemed to be like, and then we're gonna get Isaiah back and we're gonna really make a run at this thing and we still have this Brooklyn pick and every Kevin Love was playing well obviously enough to well enough to make the all-star team. And just in the last three weeks and especially in that San Antonio game, he just looks completely switched off and disengaged. Now that's not something maybe that's something a two-week vacation in Miami could fix. I have no (laughs) idea, but it just seems like you can never really count on the future with him because you just never know what the what the status of the team is, what the state of his where where his he his head is at?
1: Yeah, he's completely flipped the dynamics. Where it seems like not only in the offseason, not only in the personnel moves that you make, you have to kind of appease him mm-hmm. more than anything, but even in the regular season, as you were saying, it almost feels like he wants a roster constructed specifically for him to take off certain days but for him to, to be able to rest. it has kind of crazy
0: because he keeps. It's not like he has been denied that,
1: right? Like on on Wendy, on the Zach Lopod windhorse
0: was like LeBron is mad because LeBron feels like he should be playing on a team with Eric Bledsoe and Paul George, that those trades were available, that Kyrie for Eric Bledsoe was available and that some trade for Paul George, whether it was the Phoenix pick for Kyrie that wound up being Josh Jackson or just straight up trading Kevin Love to the Pacers for Paul George, that that was on the table and that Gilbert messed it up by either getting rid of Griffin or not being able to complete the deal himself. But I, you know, it, LeBron gets what LeBron wants at the end of the day. Dwayne Wade is on the, the Cavs. You know what I mean? These guys, like the, the veteran team, this is the team that he wants to play with. He doesn't want to play with kids. He doesn't
2: want to play with guys he doesn't like or doesn't know. And this is where we're at. He always gets what he wants. Yeah. He, got, he got Thompson paid. He got J.R. Smith paid. And it's interesting now, like with what Windhorse said yesterday, every, everything that's been reported about LeBron's thoughts, you know, about what he's going to do, points in the direction of either leaving or gonna make the ultimate chess move and like ask for a piece of ownership or something sure. like that. You know, before the season, um, Chris Haynes had the report that LeBron won't waive his no trade clause, which kind of puts it in Cleveland, like when people were saying, Oh, well, should they trade him? Right. They you know, it's like, right. no, that was silly. And then Mav Carter went on Rich Eisen and he said there, Oh yeah, LeBron, it's only about winning, right? That's the only thing he cares about is winning. And then all the stuff lately with like going for George Hill, needing more, you know, a prominent player in the Cavaliers locker room, you know, saying that they need more than yesterday being, you know, saying unhappy that they didn't get George or Bledsoe, all of it points in the same direction. right? And and I find that fascinating, how LeBron is a master at kind of setting the narrative. I think, I don't know if it's for his own interest, but it sets it in a way where it sets up the next step for him, Absolutely. whatever it is.
1: I think it would be really great if the prominent player turned out to be Kyle Corver this whole time. <laughs> well, the, you know, it, it, it does yeah. sound
0: like from reports that there was a thing in the New York Daily News that one of the major instigators against Love, the person who was most keyed in on this idea that Kevin Love bounced from the Oklahoma game because he was sick and just left the arena and then missed
1: practice the next day, was Isaiah Thomas. Which is crushing, because I showed you the photo know, the other day when they were like 10 years old hanging out in Seattle. Just like... Just good friends, better enemies. It is
0: also, Kevin, you and I were talking about this. I I really like Isaiah Thomas's game, but Isaiah Thomas uh, has had a couple of um, burn bridges mm. in teams past. Yeah. You know, whether it's Isaiah saying they didn't treat me right or the team being like we're not too sad to see Isaiah go. Everybody was like, how did Sacramento trade this guy? How did Phoenix trade this guy when he was on Boston? I don't know. I mean, a guy who's like clearly playing at like 60% is a terrible defender and the team is pretty much nosedive since you
1: got back in the lineup I wouldn't necessarily be like Kevin loves not allowed to have the flu are you saying that a guy that hangs out routinely with Floyd Mayweather might have some like compromising behaviors <laughs> I, I think what I say
2: I mean <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if I totally buy I mean that it was just him. Sure. I, mean, I th- sure. I buy everything else that's saying it was everybody pointing the finger at everybody else. You know, may- maybe Isaiah and Love were the two main culprits people were talking about. But this right? is the thing with like, but- these
0: veteran teams when you get guys who are sort of not ring chasing, but if you've got Derrick Rose and you got like all the guys are old in the last three to five years of their career and are essentially only interested in a in a in a ring. And aren't interested in doing all the stuff that we talk so much about in the NBA, which is like this culture setting and planning for the future, bringing in young guys, d- developing a Cavs way. There is no Cavs way. Right. No way. There is no Cavs way. There is LeBron and whether or not all the guys in that room are getting along with LeBron.
1: It is interesting, though, because I think all of the moves that they made this offseason were bad. And it's not only that LeBron and his guys that he brought in, his, some of his friends have, haven't worked out. Dwayne Wade's look good at times. But also the Brooklyn pick trade that was a complete misvaluation. Not only for Jay Crowder, yeah, not I didn't only see Dinwiddie coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, but like, don't you have a projection model that shows that the Nets might be like pretty decent next year? Yeah.
2: Well, well everybody this summer when well, when wait, when wait, when who has a projection model? Because well, Dan David Gilbert
1: Griffin might have. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And Kobe Altman probably doesn't. So I mean, I like, th- like they it, when they made that trade, there was know. no GM.
2: It, it, yeah. Everybody this summer, like when when. We, like, okay, like me and Bill on the pod, like, the Nets could be solid. Yo, they could be solid. Everybody's course. like, oh, no, it's, you know, it, they're going to be horrible. It's like, no, they don't need a tank. But, dude, Everybody even in is. the NBA
0: circles, like, guys were like, Kenny Atkinson is that exactly. guy. Right. I owe my career. Exactly. Like, people were freaking out about exactly. Kenny Atkinson, and they play and- – they, they have play talent. basketball in a way that's going to give them a chance.
1: And they were going for it. They yeah. have no reason to bottom out. That Absolutely. puts them above exactly. like at least sixteen,
0: And they have that huge nobody believes in us thing. We want to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about the Cavs on a tactical level in uh, a game we call the best version of me. We'll be right back in a sec. Today's episode of the Ringer NBA show is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Fun fact. Unlike flights or other travel, hotel rates actually get cheaper at the last minute. In fact, Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book a room. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect if you're busy or you don't want to overthink things. Plus, you can book up to 100 days in advance in top destinations and up to a week in advance everywhere else. Book next week tonight, book next month tonight, book on Valentine's Day tonight. It's great for a last minute getaway or a quick staycation whether you're a quick planner or you like to leave things to the very last minute and with hotel tonight's ht perks program the more you book the better the deals get so start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the hotel tonight app now Today's episode of The Ringer NBA Show is also brought to you by Upstart. The new year is more than just dates on a calendar. It's a clean slate, a fresh start to realize your dreams. And if one of those dreams is taking steps towards financial freedom, then we have great news for you. Let us tell you about Upstart. Upstart goes beyond the FICO score to offer personal loans, taking into account factors like job experience and education when determining your interest rate. Upstart's rate check takes just two minutes and has no effect on your credit score. And you can receive your money in as little as one business day upon approval. Personal loans from Upstart can be used for almost anything you want. Paying off credit cards, consolidating debt, eliminating student debt, starting a business, or making a large purchase. The funds are yours. So if you got denied from a personal loan from the bank or you were approved, but your interest rate is astronomical, it's time to skip the traditional loan process and check out our sponsor, Upstart. Upstart's about rewarding you for your job history and your education in the form of a smarter interest rate. Just go online. It takes two minutes to find out your Upstart rate. Two minutes. Checking your rate is free and it won't affect your credit. Plus, once you're approved, your loan will be funded on the very next business day. Need to pay off credit cards, student loans, buy a bigger TV, you name it. And a personal loan from Upstart can help. Hurry to upstart.com slash MBA show to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes two minutes. It won't affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash MBA show. Loans are offered by Cross River Bank, a New Jersey state chartered commercial bank. Restrictions apply. For details, visit upstart.com/slash MBA show. Okay, guys, I want to play a little game. There's no winner in this game. It's just a conversation sorry. <laughs> but I want to play a game called The Best Version of Me. Uh I we've been talking a lot over on Ringer FC and writing pieces in on the ringer this year about. How Manchester City has driven everybody insane in the Premier League. They basically won the league before Christmas. They they had it sewn up. And all these rich teams managed by huge managers have started to basically crack up because they're like the pressure of I we weren't good enough this year and we already know it and we have all this runway to look at it has made everybody a little bit nuts. And I think that there's a little bit of that happening in the NBA right now where The Warriors are so far and away better. I mean, I Rockets fans chill out, but like the Warriors (laughs) are the class of the league and have been for the last few years. That teams that are like on in any other era, we might have a shot. We and we don't now. You know, we don't as long as Steph, Katie, and Draymond are playing at this level. So, what is the best version of these teams? Because the best, you know, obviously their goals are to win the finals. But what I'm really curious about is. What should Cleveland ra- really realistically be expecting from the guys they have assembled or from the guys that they want to bring in? So I just want to ask a few questions about this. Like, they're moving Tristan to the starting lineup. Kevin, what does that do for their—what's the difference in the way Cleveland was
2: playing basketball earlier in the season to way they could be playing basketball now if they move Tristan into the starting lineup? I think on paper— at least. I mean, we'll see how how Tristan Thompson still, you know, gets back from that calf injury he had early in the season. But on paper, it should help their interior defense. Yeah. I mean, it's just a revolving door. But thing is, is sometimes your best rim protection is on the perimeter, not in the interior. So Thompson could help even if he gets back to 100 percent. But that still doesn't change the problems on the perimeter, because if you're allowing that penetration inside, That's going to give you issues even if you have Rudy Gobert back there.
1: Right. And I assume they made this change going into the season, specifically because they don't want Kevin Love chasing around some of those stretch fours. And I I wonder how long this is going to last because of this. It almost strikes me as a move to to kind of like reclaim the glory of the year that they beat the Warriors in the finals. Yeah. Like we really mucked it up. We had Tristan in there kind of grabbing every rebound. Love played fine on defense enough to win us that series. And it's kind of a reach here, especially because they don't have. Ky- uh, Isaiah playing the Kyrie role because he's just not where
2: and maybe, is. maybe Thompson's more comfortable in that starting role too I mean ideally any guy can come off the bench and you know four minutes left in the game and get hot you know and feel good but yeah. some some guys like Thompson maybe he's better starting right whereas Jay Crowder has some experience coming off the bench but even you know Jay could be negatively affected too yeah I was gonna I mean. ask you you're you're someone who saw
0: Jay a lot in Boston and you've mentioned before that he's a sensitive soul right yeah he likes to start
2: I mean I mean I mean, I mean who Same. what what I mean it's not often you hear a player come out and complain when you know fans cheer for you know an opposing player it, it was just an odd thing for him individually to come out and uh that's when they cheered for Gordon Hayward Justin I, season, I take yeah. your point about trying to get
0: back to this imaginary that's Cavs basketball you right. know and and play bully ball and have it be LeBron with big guys down low and everything but when they played their best this season albeit against lesser competition in that December run that they had it was with Kevin Love at the five and it was with no Isaiah Thomas and I mean you know Isaiah they they, the the seal is broken they can't put him back on the bench now but I do think that there's an argument to be made to bring Isaiah off the bench as a spark plug offensive player whether or not that goes down well with Isaiah who's also in a contract year uh He's losing money every game as it goes now. So it can't get
1: worse, right? We talked to Kevin and I just briefly, like what is Isaiah's next contract going to look like? Is he going to be a veteran minimum guy going forward simply because of the hip injury? Uh, I would push back slightly on your point about just the team being better with Kevin Love at the five. I think they were at their best when LeBron was playing insane. When he was shooting threes better than he ever had. When he was shooting free throws better than he ever had. And so I might suggest that their best version is to get rid of most of these guys. Trade Kevin Love trade everything that you have, and try to build an entirely new team. before the Around LeBron? Yeah. So get DeAndre Jordan, um, maybe try to swing a trade with Kevin Love to get some spare pieces, maybe like an Aaron Gordon, maybe some guys from the Pistons, bring in George Hill, and effectively put three, four new guys in that starting lineup. And then if he leaves, just start anew. new. It
0: would be unprecedented for a team to have this kind of overhaul. The Sixers did that like Van Horn from... Mutombo trade in 0-1. All the midseason? Pistons, yeah, the Pistons brought in Wallace in 0-4 and essentially won the title with his rival. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything where they trade a team would trade like three fifths of their starting lineup. Hmm. So if you got rid of, I mean, honestly, it sounds like to me to me if they can get anything for Isaiah Thomas right now, they should they should investigate that. Because like his return to the starting lineup and his return as a his arrival as a vocal member of this
2: team does not seem to have had a positive. What are you going to get though? I mean, he had no value this summer. None. He might be just so, an expiring. So, what is he exactly, And that does have value, right <laughs> you know, with the, way, the nature of the cap now flattening out, perhaps there is value, but even then his cap number is still only seven, right? So that's not going to get you. It's not like it's a 17 million dollar expiring. We're going to bring in you know star player. you still need to package him with other pieces. and it, it, it's a shame that we're talking about Isaiah. Like like yeah, that. you know, I, just I don't, one year ago, think about the conversation with him. Like, whoa, MVP candidate, even though he really wasn't. You know, the fact is he still finished fifth. One of the teams that's been mentioned
0: a little bit in rumors as a partner with Cleveland for trades, uh whether it would be Kevin Love going out or whether it would just be that that Channing Fry Amon shum shumper nothing burger that they keep <laughs> saying it seems to be like yeah. worth worth like worth anything right now. For boogie. Is uh Portland. <laughs> Now, uh, Zach and Brian had talked a lot about like whether or not a love I'm coming home move could be made here. I would not do Cleveland the favor of trading them CJ McCollum, you know, like that was they were trying to work out a love and McCollum get 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 swap deal and somewhere in there. But Portland's a really interesting team. Last week, apparently, Damian Lillard had a meeting with uh, Paul Allen, the team owner, to sort of reaffirm, quote-unquote, his commitment to the team, but also ask about the direction and let it be known that he was uh, still pissed off that they got rid of Will Barton because <laughs> it was like the exact kind of player that they need to have. Um, we talked a little bit about this when we did the live show after Spurs-Cavs, I think. The, Portland's a really interesting case where they had so many interesting pieces for a couple of years. I was like, what's Portland going to do with all these interesting guys? Like, all these stretchy, interesting dudes they've drafted and have developed, and they play in this cool offense by Terry Stotts. And now they have a bunch of guys who are just, like, okay. Yeah. It turns out that those guys were just okay, and that Ed Davis and uh, Aminu and all these dudes are just okay, and that Myers Leonard's not really okay at all. And what are they going to do? They basically have three good players. They have Nurkic, Lillard, and McCollum.
1: Yeah, they're basically a poor man's version of Boston, Yeah, where it's like O'Shea has set himself up as this kind of traitor Neil. Right. Uh, much like Danny Ainge, just at, always in asset uh, accumulation mode. Uh, and he went as far as bringing a lot of guys back on a lot of bad contracts under the assumption that he could eventually trade them. Now it just so happens that the cap spike, it looks way worse in retrospect. And now they're stuck in the middle here. And now you're starting to hear rumors about, hey, what if Neil O'Shea goes uh, before this past offseason goes to be the Lakers GM? Yeah. What if he goes back to the Clippers and, and does that? And I and, know and you start to see... What happens when you play for the middle? Yeah. Uh, and this is the problem, not only in the NBA as a whole, but in this era where the Warriors are So do stopping. you think Olshay's idea was, I'm going to
0: have all these guys who are valuable in today's NBA, rangy <laughs> shooters, at least like they track as people who could be like taught. A, like how a to be, the, type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then when it's time, when Paul George comes up, when one of these guys is available, I'm the guy who can say, here, I'll send you... A quarter of my roster, you know, for 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 a star player, I'm I don't know available. What assets? It, what was that I, the plan? I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't. I or did don't know. they think Ed Davis and we I mean, were going to get them to the
2: per, top per, part? Of perhaps the like you're hoping those guys make some. You know, they develop some. I mean, in terms of uh, Damian Lillard, it's interesting he mentions Will Barton. You know, because they paid a Will Barton comparable and Evan Turner seventeen million dollars yeah. annually. Yes, and and Evan Turner maybe not better than Will Barton. I mean, depending on the type of player you want, Uh, Will Barton's certainly a better scorer, right? And Evan Turner has not come close to meeting expectations in Portland, especially for the money. So it's like he had to do something. He had to add some guys, but some of those guys he added and paid turns out to be mistakes.
1: Well, yeah. I don't think he made a bad move per se. I think if you were looking at the GM handbook, they would say, don't lose an asset for nothing. Get guys on good contracts. Those are the guys you can always trade. Aminu is a good contract. I love that signing. Ed Davis is a fine player on a good contract. But it just so happens that, uh, one, he did some of those moves during the cap spike. And the other one is just like, I don't know if any of these guys really uh, ascended while under Terry Stotts' kind of uh, overview. And so, because of that.
0: We say all that. They worked the Wolves last night at home. And the third quarter where they scored, I believe, 43 43 points, Damian Lillard called it their best quarter in two years. Hmm. And I watched that third quarter. (laughs) um and i watched it also against the third quarter that they had played a few weeks before in minnesota mm-hmm. against the same team and it was like a college football game it was like one of those things where you see a team playing at home and you're like this team could win the finals and then you see them play in minnesota and you're like oh these guys like are probably a lottery team right and the complete the difference really was that offense Was generating so much energy running downhill at home. I felt like everything, all the threes, all the movement had so much more uh, momentum at at the Rose Garden or whatever they call that place, but like (laughs) in in Portland than it did on the road. And I wonder for you, Kevin, when you watch Portland, who have become more known for their defense this year than that that thick Terry Stotts playbook that's supposed to have so many cool plays. What do you think that they can hope for with this roster that they have? What's the best version of that?
2: You know, that, that's that's a tough part with them, right? You know, Mark Stein speculated that they'll split up Lillard and McCollum. And, you know, that's something, you know, we talked about last year on TheRinger.com where it's like, what is your upside with that backcourt, right? They're not good defensively with right. those with those guys, but at the same time, they've been better. A backcourt so, that they're paying it, it, almost quite a lot $60 yeah. million. Dollars it, it, it's tempting to stick with that, but at the same time, like you talk about McCollum versus Love, I'm not doing that on Portland. I'm mm-hmm. not, because Love isn't helping your defense either. If you're trading McCollum, I think it needs to be for a guy who better complements Damian Lillard in terms of defense but also contributing offensively. I, I don't think a McCollum for Love trade gets them any better. It might even get them worse because, as you mentioned, the firepower that they had in that third quarter is remarkable. Uh, I, I, think, I think trading one of those guys might be what it takes to get them to the next level. But the question is, is really what's out there for it? It's it's hard to, it's hard to find a trade for McCollum. Like it
0: sucks, but what about McCollum for Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley with the assumption that you re-sign Avery? I don't know.
2: That'd be tough. I don't know if it puts
1: them any closer to what they're, right. they're going for there. They, and, and isn't yeah.
0: Tobias Harris like are, aren't you surprised that he isn't already on
2: the Blazers given like he's the exact guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. like,
0: oh yeah, maybe Tobias yeah. Harris? They
1: didn't they didn't get mellow, so they might as well get diet <laughs> mellow. <laughs> yeah, it, right.
2: And, and Avery's still a small guard. Right. Right. I mean, he's a great defender, but he's still small. I mean, if you can find a wing who's versatile, you know, long, able to defend up up the forwards and wings and guards then that's what you're looking for. But those guys are hard to find.
1: It's just interesting. It, it, with a team like that and a lot of teams kind of in the middle here, you're almost asking them to just pull out the guts of who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what reminds, you were just saying
0: about Cleveland. Yeah. it's really, we're, 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 This is the thing that I'm talking about. It's like, are we losing it a little bit? Because our concept of competing is distorted so much by the Warriors and to some extent the Rockets and to some extent Cleveland itself. Sure. That you're like, oh yeah, let's
2: just rip up this awesome backcourt. You know where the mistake might have been made when they traded fifteen and twenty for ten and they took Zach Collins rather yes. rather than Not Mitchell, great. you know, rather than even Bam bio who some teams did like in that range. Bam. Yeah. I, I heard Charlotte was looking at him before the Dwight Howard trade, so he could have gone eleven. Uh, bam. Um so maybe at ten, maybe bam, that was just bam, like we'll like if Charlotte's
0: the... looking at this guy, we should run in the
2: other direction. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Jimmy Butler laughing well, well, at Zach Collins on the bench sh- the Charlotte, other day. Charlotte, sure. Charlotte, Charlotte liked Mitchell too, and that was from before the draft. Yeah, they, they they liked Mitchell, but I think Monk when he fell, it's the type of thing. Well, can't pass up on Monk. Need need a need a high volume sh- shooting a shooting guard. That's going well for them. Yeah, right. Really well, okay. Yeah.
0: So currently, Portland are uh, they are seventh in in the West. They've won six out of their last ten. Uh, they have a positive point differential. Um, but do you see this as a team that could get up to fifth? Or is the f- top five teams, the Thunder, the Wolves, the Spurs, the Rockets, and Warriors, are they starting to separate themselves
2: a little bit for you? Separating themselves. Separating themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think those teams are on another level, those top five. You think the Pelicans can get in there? In I mean, like six, right now. <laughs> six right now. They're I mean,
0: kicking ass.
1: They have two of the best 10 players in the freaking league. They are, they, this two is like the All Star starters. Yeah. And yeah.
0: they are the, they're like, I, I love that they they like, there's like, this is the best that we could do. We could get these two guys. <laughs> right. And we signed a bunch of dudes that they want to play with because that's like, you know, Jameer and Rondo or whoever else. A bunch
1: of Kentucky guys. Yeah.
0: And they are busting ass every night. And like sometimes DeMarcus gives up and sometimes like Brow gets hurt and sometimes they just get worked. But man, like on a, any given night. They are an any given night team. Like on any given night, the Pelicans could
1: beat almost anyone. And last night was a perfect example because they pretty much hung around with Charlotte. The team that we just talked about is not having much of anything. And they almost lost that game. It came down to the wire. Uh, They just need to be a little bit better than they've been before. And that's going to make the difference between being a
2: bottom seed and being maybe like a four or five seed. Isn't it amazing how close they are yet, how far they are? Yeah, you know, always that's what you can say about them for the past four
0: years. It's something else. In that little zone there, that three I don't want I can't say seven, but that three to six zone is the spot where I feel like we're gonna get an upset in the playoffs. An upset like a lower seed could beat. So whether it's just the Thunder beat the Wolves or the Wolves beat the Thunder, depending on who's where. But the Pelicans and the Spurs, and I wanted to talk about the Spurs now, because the Spurs are in a real weird like you know, you watch them against Cleveland. They just, that's just like the San Antonio business card, man. Like they just with, with Bertans and Murray starting for the first time in his career and Joffrey and all these guys, and they're still whipping the ball around and they're still running their stuff and they're still defending. They're the number one defense defensive rating at last time I checked NBA.com. And yet no star player, Kawhi Leonard out indefinitely grumblings about some problems there. But I I think that that's a little bit overblown. And what, what is this season for the Spurs? Is this a season of transition,
1: secretly, of getting guys like Murray yeah. ready to play ball? Yeah. I think it turned into that when Kawhi didn't play. Uh, I think it's the the rise of Big Bert here. Yeah, he's really kind of <laughs> come on. Sick. Yes, yeah. he's Dang, very good. That's the thinking man's marketing, right there. <laughs> right, and DeJounte's the type of guy I can't remember them ever having. He's he's a young uh, American, dynamic kind of athlete, point guard. Yeah. yeah, And I feel like that could be a game changer but, for them, especially the, if with Tony Parker kind of going out the pasture. This when, when
2: I when I when they drafted him, I was in the middle of recording a video. Um, at TD Garden at the uh, NBA draft party that night, like it was announced on the big screen as we were recording. I remember looking up while recording the video, hearing Dejounte Murray drafted by the Spurs, and I was both at the same time surprised and also unsurprised in the sense that he's not their type of player, mm-hmm. and yet the fact is, is he is exactly the type of guy who slipped the thirtieth, mm-hmm. who some projected as a lottery player who the Spurs could take his weaknesses and turn them into strengths, and that's exactly what they're starting to do. Yeah, they basically uh, put him in bubble wrap for a season. Yeah. He went in the perfect situation for his game. I mean, some of the weaknesses he had at Washington, inefficient scoring, unable to score from outside, poor decision-making, you know, inconsistent effort. Those aren't issues as much now, we right? Haven't I mean, what, that the Spurs like haven't him. had
0: an athlete, a point guard like him in a long time, and watching him D up LeBron, at various points in that that Cavs game, I was just like, "This is incredible!" Like they have, if they do get Kawhi back at something like hundred percent, like that's a scary team. Yeah.
1: yeah, I remember watching him early on in the season. His rebounding numbers were just off the charts for a point yeah. guard. Yeah, it's like, how does this even happen? And it's also interesting watching some of their. He was older grabbing guys.
0: boards over Kevin Love. Like he grabbed yeah. that one off to, off the free throw. It's very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and yeah. it's crazy watching it. Come Great out. instincts as well. Yeah. yeah, I just love watching some of their older guys come in and out of the lineup and just yeah. kill it. Like Paul Gasol, like. In the third mm-hmm. quarter, and they were playing Memphis, and I don't know what Marcus All is doing these days. He's barely even trying, but he had like an almost triple-double in the third quarter. Yeah. I was like, what is going on here? But and it's they- the dependability of guys
0: like Powell and, and knowing you can get 23 to 26 points a night from LaMarcus. That allows them to play, to be risky with some of their other personnel decisions because they have that baseline of performance from their veterans. And if they get the kind of night they got from Tony Parker against Cleveland going forward, like that's, that's a real thing.
2: For sure, and I think with Parker coming off the bench, it's an interesting little wrinkle for that team. You know, you know, you're you're maybe extending his career a little bit by putting him off the bench. You know, having him come out against bench guys. Um, I I think that's the formula for for them moving forward. And it'll be interesting to see with with Parker what happens moving forward. I mean, I I know like we're talking about this season, what's the best version of these teams? But I'm always thinking forward with with the summer decisions to come, uh, for better or for worse. And with Parker. It'll be interesting seeing him in that bench role and how he develops and how Murray gets um, empowered as a starter alongside their best players. The Spurs are always interesting to me in comparison
1: to the Pelicans, not only because I'm always thinking about the Pelicans, but some of their (laughs) their principles come from that system. Mm -hmm. Del Demps famously was uh, in the front office there. You could see how they just don't need everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And they're able to just kind of take the best of certain guys. Whereas the Pelicans, the big worry is they're always on the throttle, always playing for that season. And I think you see it with some of the minutes they're big and guys to are convince- playing to stay and right. to convince AD
0: not to demand For a trade sure. and all that stuff. They're like There's like a real like the, the franchise future is on the line here.
1: Right. The, three, the minutes between Holiday, Anthony Davis, Cousins are all high up there. You wonder if that's going to have an effect in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. And also with Cousins, like, yeah, let's say they convince him to come back. Now you're paying almost three guys max. And that's just going to screw you in other ways. And I wonder what happens next season when they try to put guys around him. The guys like Darius Miller who might come up. Maybe you don't find him this time around and you're back into the dregs of the West again. I just think
2: the example of the Spurs really set. And like this is, you know, it's old news because they've done it the entire century. But their just ability to integrate younger players within, you know, their yeah. their this is the, this core. This is the difference you between know, San Antonio and Cleveland, Bertans, yeah, Anderson, yeah. Mari. You know, Forbes, Forbes, Paul. I mean, their ability to integrate all these young guys yeah. and let them develop. Think, think about
0: every guy that you see pop up on another team that's not as good as he was on the Spurs. Yeah. Deadman's
2: Joseph, hmm. Simmons. Good players. They've had very few free agents who leave the Spurs yes. and end up better yes. in a new situation.
0: Um, I want to wrap up, but let's just quickly talk about Milwaukee, who was the other, like, like 10 years ago, earlier this week, when Jason Kidd got fired, <laughs> um, was the big deal. Um they're 24 and 22. They're basically hanging on to the playoffs by their fingernails. Um they have apparently decided to go with is Jim Punty? Uh Joe. Joe Puntie as their yeah. coach hey, for the rest of the season. Um I don't I don't know what they're going to do here. Is this they have the th- top 5 NBA player. They should probably be pushing up towards where Toronto and Washington and, and Cleveland and Boston are and instead we were wondering if they're going to make the playoffs at all. Is is there a, a, are they doing a shadow tank here by not getting a new coach
1: in? Like what's going on? It's a bizarre move. And like, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with all the personal dynamics, even though it sounds like Giannis's agent called literally every reporter after that all went out. Um, but it, it is interesting there. Like if you're going to make a criticism of that move, like why do you do that when you're in the playoff? Hunt? Why do you do that? When Giannis is in kind of the MVP discussion, why he's entering his peak, he's probably going to win. He won most improved last year, so he can't win it again. But uh, it just, it's a very bizarre timing, and it just speaks to maybe some of the dysfunction at the top of the ownership level. Because they're like trading when someone
2: gets to yeah. make the final call. I think with Milwaukee, I had a conversation before the beginning of last season with an NBA executive, and, and he said Milwaukee reminded him of the early days of Cleveland, where LeBron got too great too soon. So they didn't have the ability to be a you know, bottom-level team, to mm-hmm. get another high-end prospect in the draft, or at least you know, a high-end contributing player. In Milwaukee, the same thing. Giannis got too good too soon for them to add that other guy. Yes, they have Jabari Parker. Yes, they got Malcolm Brogdon in the second round. Yes, they have Chris Middleton. But they still need that other star player. But they don't have him, and they don't really have a way to get him either, which is why they had to go for a guy like Eric Bledsoe. You don't think Bledsoe's that guy? I know, not at all. I mean, he's an inefficient half-court scorer. I mean, you, you need another star next to Giannis. And Jabari Parker could be that guy maybe but even then he hasn't shown that he can stay on the floor
1: yeah their last attempt at it was reaching for thon and maybe he becomes something but yeah. it doesn't look like he's he's turning much yet. this season
2: and yeah. that was a gamble worth taking sure you know i think you know thon maker i wasn't a big fan of him i, I was shocked that they took him there but at the same time you, you can't knock him for that when you look at what else was on the board at that time he's a high upside player at 10 so given the talent on hand what is the best
0: version of milwaukee this season
2: That's a good question. I mean, they've been kind of
1: talked about as a in the discussion for Kemba Walker. I don't know if he makes much sense there. It sounds like you're really committing to a core there that I wouldn't necessarily go for. Yeah, that's that's a panic. Especially with Bledsoe, a free agent this offseason, you're going to have a backcourt of Kemba and Bledsoe going forward. That's pretty tiny.
2: I think their upside can be, I mean, maybe they won't reach, you know, this seed, but I think if Parker gets back to full strength by the playoffs, they could be like of a three four seed quality Didn't team. Didn't they have you know? some
0: trouble the last time they had to integrate Parker yeah, back it's, into the rotation? It's hard. It's and hard. it's like he just yeah. he he's a weird mid-range scorer who yeah. holds the ball and I, I don't know. I mean I, I they 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 I think they had something going earlier in the season and then obviously the internal strife kind of got to them. Um it's just such a bold Weird move. I mean, I, I by all no, all accounts, like kid was was problematic there, but it's 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 a big
1: big deal to to do that. Yeah, to to wrap this back into the Cavs, it sounds like Parker might be in a similar situation with Kevin Love, where mm-hmm. he, he is a dynamic offensive player, he provides some stretch, but I wonder what you could do with him on defense. You're effectively saying we need Giannis to be a stretch uh, a one five. Yeah all the time, and I just don't know if that's what you want to put on It's
2: unfair to expect that from any player, especially over an 82-game season. Maybe in the playoffs, you want them to turn it on like that, but you know, right now they're just kind of hanging on like you said, Chris, and Parker's not going to help them defensively at all. I mean, he's a poor defender. He's a low effort. Well, maybe some of the schemes, like just taking out some of the crazy blitzes that kid ran will, will help them out a little bit. More and more conservative would probably help them on that end, but at the same time, I mean, they still have personnel changes to be made, and they don't have a lot of flexibility to do it. Okay. All
0: right. We're gonna wrap it up there. Thanks for listening to Group Chat. We'll be back next Thursday. Make sure you're listening to all the Ringer NBA shows. Kevin is routinely weekly on Tuesdays with Kevin Chris Vernon, Uh, and we'll be back uh, in your ears sooner than later. Basketball is very good.
1: football is very good